0: This morning we continue our series, What and Why We Believe What We Believe, developing a biblical worldview. And our hope is, as we've been walking through the Word of God, that you've been able to go back and search God's Word and hold your view of life, of the world, and of God and creation up against the Word of God and say, this is the premise. This morning's message can be a very polarizing message. It's not my intent, and I've spent lots of time this week praying for this message, and I've asked the Lord to help me deliver it with grace and love and truth and boldness, and so I just want to lay it out there. That's the premise from which I'm coming from today, but here's what I believe to be true from the Word of God, and I'm going to ask you to hold on through the whole message and clean through the end and then you can discern with the Holy Spirit what God's Word says. But I believe that God created us male and female. And I believe that was the early, original creation view that we have. We go to Genesis 1. However, there is so much confusion in our world today in regards to sexual identity, in regards to marriage, in regards to gender... And what should be our biblical worldview in regards to this has all different kinds of confusing worldviews. I want to bring it back and just go back and say this is what I believe God's word says. And even in regards to how we treat people that view differently than what we do. And how we live in harmony and peace and love and grace with those who choose to live differently. What is... God's original tent for mankind. My role as a senior pastor of Grace Community Church is to present biblical truth with grace and boldness. While my understanding of the Bible on one issue and gender issues might be very different than yours, and even on the view of homosexuality, I want you to know that I love you, and I want to engage in conversation with you, and I hope that we can have an ongoing conversation. When I was a, a sophomore in college, my roommate, the summer uh, between my freshman and sophomore year, I roomed, he came and roomed with me in my apartment that I had off campus. He has since then chosen a lifestyle of same-sex attraction and has a, another man that he lives with. And that while he his view is so different than my view, and while I, he is living what I would believe opposed to God's will and God's word, I don't want to alienate him from friendship and relationship. And so what often happens when it comes to these issues, we land on two positions. We either have an alienation view or an affirmation view. And I don't believe we have to land on those two positions. I believe it's possible to land on a position of grace and truth and love for one another so that we can pull each other in, go to God's word and see what he has to say. And so this topic today will be, have a chance for you to ask the question, why do you believe what you believe? Do you believe it because you feel it? Or do you believe it's because the word of God shows you it and tells you it? A man took a camera, and he took a microphone, and he went to a college campus, and he asked questions about gender, relationship, and biology. Watch this. There's been a lot of
1: talk about identity lately, but how far does it go, and is it possible to be wrong? We went to the University of Washington to find out. Are you aware of the debate happening in Washington State around um, the ability to access bathrooms, locker rooms, spas based on gender identity and gender expression? I I think people should be able to have access to the facility. I think uh, bathrooms could and potentially should be gender neutral because there doesn't need to be a classification
0: for differences.
1: I think people definitely should have the ability to go into whichever locker room they want.
0: Uh, I feel like at least public universities should do their best to accommodate for those who do not have a specific uh, gender identity.
1: You know, whether you identify as male or female and whether your sex at birth is matching to that, you should be able to utilize the resources. So if I told you that I was a woman, what would your response be? Good for you. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. I'll
0: be like, why? <laughs> really? I don't have a problem with it. I'd ask you how you came to that conclusion.
1: If I told you that I was Chinese, what would your response be? I mean, I might be a little surprised, but I'd say, good for
0: you, like, yeah, be who you are.
1: (laughs) I would maybe think you had some Chinese ancestor.
0: I would ask you how you similarly came to that conclusion and why you came to that conclusion.
1: Um, I would have a lot of questions, just because on the outside, I would assume that you're a white man. If I told you that I was seven years old, what would your response be? Um, I wouldn't
0: believe that immediately.
1: Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't believe it, but I mean, I, it wouldn't really bother me that much to go out my way and tell you, no, you're wrong. I'd just be like, oh, okay, he wants to say he's seven years old. If you feel seven at heart, then, <laughs> then so be it. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so if I wanted to enroll in a first grade class, do you think I should be allowed to? Uh, probably not, I guess. I mean, unless you haven't completed first grade up to this point and for some reason need to do that now. If that's where you feel like mentally you should be, then I feel like there are communities that would accept you for that.
0: I would say so long as you're not hindering society and you're not causing harm to other people, I feel like that should be an okay thing.
1: If I told you I'm six feet five inches, what would you say? the question why <laughs> because you're not <laughs> no i don't think you're six if you truly believed you're six five i don't think it's harmful i think it's fine if you believe that it doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are <laughs> so you'd be willing to tell me i'm wrong i wouldn't tell you you're wrong no but i say that um i don't think that you are i feel like that's not my place as like another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries No, I mean, I wouldn't just go like, oh, you're wrong, like, that's wrong to believe in it, because, I mean, again, it doesn't really bother me what you want to think about your height or anything. So, I can be a Chinese woman. You. (laughs) Um. Sure. But I can't be a six foot five Chinese woman. Yes.
0: If you thoroughly debated me or explained why you felt that you were six foot five, uh, I feel like I would be very open to saying that you are six foot five or Chinese or a woman.
1: It shouldn't be hard to tell a five nine white guy that he's not a six foot five Chinese woman. But clearly it is. Why? What does that say about our culture? And what does that say about our ability to answer the questions that actually are difficult?
0: So I ask you, say, ask you the same. Why is it hard to tell someone they're wrong? When you can biologically look at someone and say, you're not female, you're not male, you're not six foot five, you're not Chinese. We live in a culture that's afraid to tell the truth. We live in a culture not only is afraid to tell the truth, but we're afraid to offend someone with the truth. And so we would rather acquiesce and pull away and say, if that makes you happy, then you have freedom to choose to live that way. You have freedom to act upon what you believe to be true about yourself. As opposed to just looking at them and saying, no, that is wrong. We have so much confusion in our world today in regards to sexual identity Gender, because people are just making decisions based upon their feelings. Or we say things like this, God just wants you to be happy. So you go live how you want to live. I'll live how I want to live. While all along the Bible gives us a foundation of truth that says that isn't truth. And before we know it, if we base all of our decisions based on our happiness, we will end up far, far from God on a path of total destruction. Amen. Grab your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. But I going to begin with the premise in regards to male and female. And I'm asking to stand. Let's read Genesis 1 verses 26 through 28. Let's read it out loud together. Let's begin here. Genesis 1, ask you all to stand. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Read. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You may have a seat. If biology matters, and it does then we should know biologically the way God created male and female. And let me say this. God's original design for man and woman is clearly seen in his creation. And both Jesus and Genesis approve of no sexual union other than between a husband and wife in the context of marriage. And we're going to see that today. It's not mere traditionalism to say that, that a man shouldn't be married to a man or a woman should be married to a woman or shouldn't be married to a woman. Or even mere traditionalism to say, well, you don't you don't have to wait till marriage to have sex. God's purpose, God's design, God's will for us as believers is male and female united together. As one in covenant relationship with him. God's intent and will for our lives is no sex before marriage. That is sin. It's in the context of marriage. And he sets the foundation from Genesis chapter one. And then he says this in Genesis 1 in verse 31. Look at Genesis 1, 31. It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very what? Good. And there was evening and there was morning on that sixth day. The creation that God called good was male and female. It is biologically clear that we are designed to fit together. Many, however, proponents of a gay lifestyle or or a, a gendered difference lifestyle than what God has intended would say that Jesus never spoke against homosexuality. And they'll say, Jim, open up your Bible, or you open up your Bible. Where do you see that Jesus ever said, do not be homosexual? Where he ever spoke against homosexuality. And they would conclude, or they would deduct from that statement, a logical statement in their mind, which I will break down. That because Jesus never specifically said, do not be homosexual. That there is no indication in scripture that we shouldn't be homosexual or live that lifestyle. The opposite is true, uh, true of that. And I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10, and I want to show you why I believe Jesus did have a view on lifestyle of male and female as one, as opposed to male and male and female and female. Turn to Mark chapter 10, and I want, just want you to follow along in verses 5 through 9. Mark 10, verses 5 through 9. Mark 10, 5-9 says this. These were Jesus' words. He spoke on divorce and now he's speaking on this. He said, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Jesus replied in verse 6. But at the beginning of creation, God made them what? What's it say? Male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh... So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It is clear where Jesus stood on male and female. And Jesus put forward what was right. And so many will say this. Many will say, well, he never spoke against homosexuality. And my response to that is he didn't need to. Because he says, this is the model from which... I want you to live this life on planet Earth. This is the example of male and female. It'd be like this. If I brought five women up on stage, if one of them was my wife, of the five women, and I wanted you to know which one was my wife, I would do this. I would go and point out my wife and say, this is my wife, Anne. And because I showed you the one that was my wife, it meant that that was truth. It meant that she is my wife. I didn't have to, to point out the other four that were there and say, they're not my wife. Because the assumption in truth is, guess what? Anne is my wife. She is the model of what my wife is. She is my wife. Jesus did that often. Very often in his teaching. He would say, this is truth. This is what I know to be true, and in this case, he just set the model up. Here's the model for marriage. Male and female come together as one. Jesus affirmed in his teaching what was said by Moses in Genesis chapter 1. And so he approved what was true and didn't have to take time and say what he was against because you already know what's truth. Why waste the time on what isn't true? Let me just pull away and say this. As Christians, I'll speak as a Christian with Christians. We must do that in so many forms too. We spend way too much time telling people what we're against instead of what we're for. We need to spend more time standing for what we're for. And by doing so, what does it say? It eliminates what we're against if we know what we're for. So in the same way with Jesus, he put forward what was right, not what was wrong. Here is the godly biblical design, no reason to waste our time in any other model. He approves in Mark chapter 10, the sanctity of sex in a heterosexual marriage. And by doing so, he disallowed all deviations from whatever variation or form that would take. We spend way too much time in all the other ways that aren't. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 2 now in verse 18. Genesis chapter 2 in verse 18. It's important to see what God's word says. In Genesis chapter 2 in verse 18. It says this. The Lord God said, it is not what? What's the word? Good for man to be what? Alone. Alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. When God said it's not good for man to be alone, we must get this down. He wasn't lamenting that Adam didn't have a buddy. He wasn't lamenting and saying, man, it's, it's too bad you don't have a buddy. Or he was, wasn't lamenting that you're just lonely. It's so important to understand from the context, the culture, and language. This is what God was saying when he was looking at Adam. He was saying that the male could not really know himself as male without a human other. Who equally shares his humanity. But was meaningfully... And biologically distinct right down to the very DNA. Oneness in any other area, any other way would be subhuman to the standards that God has put forward. God said, be fruitful and multiply. Heterosexual union reaches into and creates the next generation. God had purpose when he created male and female. God had purpose when he said be fruitful and multiply. He wanted them to procreate and have children for future generations to live out life on earth and to obey and walk in fellowship with him. And so his purpose from the beginning and his purpose now hasn't changed. Culture should never dictate what the truth of God's word says. God has purpose and he has purpose for you. But we must take time to see what God's word says. I want you to turn to Leviticus chapter 18. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 18. Look at Leviticus chapter 18 and let's see what God had initially put into play as we would understand under the Old Covenant or even we would say the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 22. Look at verse 22. It says, do not have sexual relationships with a man as one does with a woman. That is what? What does the law say? Detestable. Now look at Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 13. Leviticus 20 and verse 13 says, If a man has sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They are put to death. Their blood will be On their own heads. These are very very very. Hot verses in our world. And just for clarity. Throughout this message. These verses. The proponents that we would understand. As pro gay. Or pro homosexual would say. That these verses. Pastor Jim. Were written to ancient Israel only. And because they're Old Testament. And because they're laws. That the. ...that Israelites had to live up to, they don't apply to us. And so their view on that would be they're not applicable to us today. They would say these verses in regards to homosexuality... ...or even prostitution would be a lifestyle that was God was opposed to... ...in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament he isn't. I would disagree with that view. They would also argue... Well, if you're going to believe that law, then why not all the laws? Why don't we live under the old covenant? Why don't we continue to live over all these other laws, these 600 plus laws that were in the Old Testament? Why just pick one law out and say, we're going to live by that one in the New Testament and in 2019. Why don't we live by the rest of the laws? The reality is this. The speaker himself is God. And it's culturally relevant during that time. So is it culturally relevant and applicable today? And my answer to that is absolutely yes. But scripture must show us that. We just can't make an assumption. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians. to see if it's applicable today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Paul says this to the church at Corinth. They're receiving this letter from him. They're excited, and he says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, he says, Neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swinders will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit of our God. The truth is this, is that Paul endorses this Old Testament truth in the New Testament. And so the same way that God endorsed and set this into place in Leviticus, Paul does the same thing in 1 Corinthians. And so by doing so, he is saying that sex with other creatures with the same gender is sin. As is adultery, as is gossip, as is slander. So he shows us in the New Testament that a homosexual lifestyle is against God's plan for mankind. Now, those that call themselves pro-gays and believe in homosexuality, they would say that these verses, they would translate that these verses mean men should not have sex with young boys. And the truth is this, the problem with that theory is the word homosexual offenders or men having sex with other men. In the Greek, it's not debatable. And often we have to go back to the language. There's a Greek word that Paul uses here. It's a long word and it's two compound. It's two words that form a compound word, arsenaka today. It's the word that Paul got from the Greek Septuagint. And the Greek Septuagint, just a little bit of help here, Our Old Testament is written originally in Hebrew. And the New Testament is written originally in Greek. And so during this time of Paul's life, Greek was the common language of the day. And so there was, what we would understand, a Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. So bright scholars went and they took the Hebrew Bible that we have in English today, the Old Testament... And they wrote it in Greek. It's called the Septuagint. It's the LXX, if you've ever seen that symbol. So people of the day, like Paul, contemporaries of him, would often read the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Like, why learn another language, Greek or Hebrew, when you can read it in the language that you're familiar with? And so Paul took this word this Greek word, inserts it here, and by doing so, he is referring from the Old Testament and Leviticus the same thing in 1 Corinthians, which means homosexual offenders, which means Paul was endorsing the Leviticus passage for today. Now, why is that important? Because not all the laws of the Old Testament will you find in the New Testament. Because Jesus came and he offered the new covenant. And while he offered the new covenant, Paul says, however, this law that they had during this time is still offensive and sinful against God. Put it in the context of this. I often say this. It's important to think from the context and the culture that scripture was written. I don't know if you knew this, But when Paul wrote this, 1 Corinthians, it was very, very Roman culture. And whether you knew this or not, when he wrote this, people hated him for writing this. He stood against what everyone else during that day was practicing or believing. The first 15 Roman emperors during this time. 14 of them were either homosexual or bisexual. Plato lauded homosexual law. It was a big deal back then. And so for Paul to stand up and say, have no relations as men with other men. Don't have a homosexual relationship. What he was saying, he was pointing the truth at the emperors during the day and the colleagues of him and saying, That's not what God approves of. And by doing so, he was going against what culture said was approval behavior. It's the same for us today. Because we must stand against what culture says. Hey, if it feels right, do it. If it makes you happy, do it. Listen, if that's what you choose to do, then I would never tell you that it's wrong. No, we need to stand and speak for what we believe is truth. And anything other than that is against God's will for our lives. The problem is this. We have a consumer mindset when it comes to relationship circles. I want you as my friend because you can do this for me. I want you as my friend because you agree with me. I want you as my friend because you never speak the truth to me. And when I'm around you, I don't feel convicted. And so we have this consumer mindset in relationships. And whether you realize it or not, you and I have to guard against it. The Bible says, don't do something for someone because they can do it for, back for you. Just do it because you love them. And so this, we have a choice to make to whether we will have the approval of the world or the disapproval of Jesus. And by the way, we don't take this consumer mindset into consideration with our own children. Can you imagine waking up one day as the mother or father of your home and saying, kids, this isn't working out. And I just want to let you know that this relationship isn't working out. I'm leaving you and we're leaving you. Mom and dad are leaving. We're going to go find some other kids. You just wouldn't do that. But somehow in our minds... We're okay with this. I'm going to leave this relationship that God has established, set up. I'm going to go over here because this isn't working out. And I'm going to go over here and have an adulterous relationship. Or I'm going to have a same-sex relationship. Or I'm going to, I'm going to become a, a man becoming a woman because this isn't working out for me. We always must begin We always must stay and we always must end with the word of God. Paul gives us another passage that handles this truth. Turn to Romans chapter 1 and look at verse 24. Romans chapter 1 and verse 24. And we're going to read through verse 32. It's one of the strongest passages on this subject. And Paul is so very clear. He's writing to the church at Rome and telling them how God feels about the current sinful mess that they are in. So picture, you're receiving this letter from Paul. You're excited. And so Paul would often write, and he would write in such a way like you and I would to people that we care about. Hey, I love you. I care for you. Hey, by the way, I know this is happening in your circles. This is what I would do. This is what God says. And this is the letter that he wrote in the context of this incredible time. Verse 24 says, Therefore, Paul wrote, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a what? What's it say? A lie. And worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And then Paul said this, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men who abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another, men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God did what? What are the two words? Gave them, then what did he do? Over to a depraved mind. They became, or they have become, filled with every kind of wickedness evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, and they invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they do not only continue to do these very things, but also what? What's it say? Approve of those who practice them. Sin. Sin has been twisted since Genesis chapter 3. Has twisted mankind since Genesis chapter 3. There is a debate in circles over this very passage. And here's how the debate goes. I'll explain what I believe to be true. Those that would have a pro-gay or pro-homosexual belief system, they would say this. They would say... That these are heterosexual individuals who turn their back on natural inclinations and become homosexual. They would say don't abandon your natural inclinations, in other words. If your natural inclination or your proclivity or your propensity is for same-sex attraction, then don't abandon that. Just follow what you feel. Turn and Follow that path and feed your unhappiness. I'll talk a little bit more about this in a second, but let me just say this. Just because you have an inclination, just because you have a same-sex attraction, just because you have married and heterosexual and you have an attraction towards another man or woman doesn't give you permission to act out on that. We, just because we're tempted doesn't say, I need to feed this desire. I need to feed this lustful desire. And another thing, just because someone has the same sex attraction doesn't make them any worse than you who have an other sex attraction than are married but we must be careful how we categorize people because often we identify or we love or we treat people based upon their gender issues or how they see themselves instead of loving them because they're created in the image of God. We must love one another. We must engage in conversation. We must pull them in because otherwise we, either, we take two stands, affirmation or alienation. That's not the only two stands. Let's all look at human beings created in the image of God. Let's let's love God. Let's love one another. Let's engage them in conversation. Let's don't push each other away. God wants us to have a conversation and use the Bible as the grid through which we have that conversation. So they would say, don't abandon your natural inclinations. Homosexuals will say, if you're heterosexual, don't abandon. If homosexual, don't abandon. The problem with this interpretation is the context. Paul said, this is the history of mankind. He's saying, this is how it was in Genesis 1 and 2. And so he's repeating back history. The context, he says, let's go back and see what was the original. And so he's sharing with this church at Rome and saying, this was God's early intent, this is my intent now. And so he's giving a historical account of what has already taken place. This is history of sin from the beginning. When God introduced the natural order, and what was that? One man, one woman, coming together in covenant marriage relationship, having sex, by the way. I'll say it again. Sex outside of marriage is sin. It's only not sin when it's in the context of marriage. The word natural. And you can see that word, just look back in case you forgot where it was at, in verse 26. He says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural. So let's define the terms. It's important that we define the terms. The word natural means the way things were first and foremost. And God's first and foremost was creation. And God's first and foremost and natural was when God created man, He brought a woman and He encouraged them to come under covenant relationship and marriage under Him and to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. That's God's original intent for mankind. And that is God's intent today. Nothing has changed. Regardless if culture says... As it was during Paul's day. As the emperors lived. Whatever makes you happy. As we saw in that opening video that said what? They were afraid to tell them the truth. Because they were afraid to offend. We live in such a tolerant society. We need truth. Truth wrapped in grace sets us free. You see, a biblical worldview should never be shaped only by how we feel about something or of sections of the Bible we choose to agree with. If you live your life based on feelings, it will end up in a total destructive behavioral path. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2? He kept reminding us. But keep renewing your mind, keep renewing your mind, transform your minds. And center it on God's word. Replace and repent. First Corinthians, he said, take those thoughts and take them captive. Speak truth with God's word. Why? Because our mind controls our actions. And I would say this, don't guard your mind by your feelings. Guard your feelings by your mind centered on Jesus. I often hear this, and sometimes it really breaks my heart. And by the way, I have spent hours in prayer thinking about delivering this message. And I want you to know today, if you're here today, and you have same-sex attraction, I want you to know I love you. (laughs) And I want you to know this, that we are glad that you're here today. And we want you to know that our God loves you. And sometimes we, we neglect to see you as a God-created person, and you are. And let me just say this. The man or woman who has not been tempted to commit adultery or homosexual act is no more virtuous than the man or woman who has successfully resisted temptation. God loves you just like you are. And I often hear this, and I know I know, I knew when I opened this up that I opened myself up. I know this message will be shared and my hope is that when people watch it, they'll see that it's full of grace and truth. I know I'll be hated, but Paul was too and so was Jesus. And if we're not persecuted for what we believe to be true, then are we really standing for what's true? So I often hear this, that teaching about biblical heterosexual, heterosexual relationship and against homosexual relationship is hate. I've had many people come to me and say, Jim, you hate people. Jim, you hate. And I want to say this. I beg to differ and would say, it would be hateful of me to not tell you the truth in love. Hate or cowardice compels us or silences us not to tell the truth. Many in our Christian circles and non-Christian circles. And by the way, I want to say my friend. My friend that I went to college with. He's a good friend. We did a lot of things together. We played ball together. We, 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 we studied together. And I just wanted to say this. I still love my friend. And because he chooses to live a life that's different than what I choose against God, it doesn't lessen how I love him. Now, I tell him the truth, but I'm not going to push him away. It's the same with someone was here today, and they were in a heterosexual relationship, and they were having an adulterous relationship. I'm not going to push you away. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to love you. And I say, let's see what God says, because truth will set you free. So many will say, well, Pastor Jim, we shouldn't judge one another. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 7 that you should judge, shouldn't judge? Doesn't it say in Matthew 7 verses 1 and 2, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We even go so far as to say that we have no right to tell someone what they're doing is wrong. Jesus couldn't have meant that. Because his whole ministry was pointing out the errors in people's lives. He said, this is the wide way, and this is the path to destruction. This is the narrow way, and this is the path to life. Jesus constantly showed what would happen if you chose to go off the narrow path. So I would say this. It's what you do after you tell someone the truth that determines whether or not you judge them. Think about that for a second. We should tell the truth. It's what you do after that. Do you alienate them because of their wrong? That's judgment. Or do you just speak truth? You see, not condemning does not mean not telling the truth either. You judge someone not when you assess their position, but when you dismiss them as a person. You see the difference there you're looking at someone and saying this is truth I love you so much and I would tell my friend this I love you so much bro that the path that you're on is against the will of God and I want you to know that I love you because this is God's standard for man and women Do you see them for their sexual identity or as someone created in the image of God? If you only see a person for their sexual identity, hear me out. You are judging them. If you see them as a God-created person and speak truth, then you're not judging them. There's a big difference. Now, there are consequences for our sin. And we must... Realize, if we choose to go down the wide path away from God's original intent, there are consequences, and we are seeing them in our world today. Look at the youth that are coming through. Look at adults that are alive today. No one is, will stand up for truth. <laughs> They're afraid to offend people. I want to walk you through some truths as I unpack the end of this message, trying to bring it all together. The first one is this. I encourage you to write these down. Are you against discrimination on the behalf of a homosexual? Isn't that what you would do for a friend? Like, does it bother you that homosexuals or people who have different gender views than you are discriminated against? Now, you would probably stand against someone who discriminates against race or education. But are you willing to stand up and say, that is wrong? A person that loves with the love of God stands and says, now listen, I will not discriminate because that's a God-created person. I will stand up. I won't approve of their behavior, but I will love the person. Another one. We have to love our gay neighbor more than their position on sexual morality. Can I ask a real hard question? Do you push People who have a relationship that's different than yours away, do you go out of your way to bypass them or do you pull them in? You might be judging them. How about this? Even if someone doesn't agree with you, don't push them away. Pull them in. Jesus was a friend to sinners. Sinners. Next, don't compromise your belief, but consider how you state it. This is so important. It's like, and I've been praying all week, please, God, when people watch this, may they see that I'm not compromising my belief, but that I love, and that there's grace behind this message, and I love them too much to not tell them what I believe God's word says. It's how you deliver the truth that matters. Can I ask you this? If you are characterized by disgust of someone's sin, rather than overwhelmed with joy with the forgiveness of your own sin, then you might be desperately out of touch with the gospel. Like, it, does it detest you more, someone's sin, than your joy that you have that you've been forgiven? Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Don't go fix yourself. All the work that's needed for mankind was taken to the cross, and it's through Jesus that healing can come. It is finished through him and him alone. Next, rewriting God's rules is never an option. People ask me, how can this be wrong, Jim, if God made me this way? I want to pull away and say this. God did not make you that way. If God made you that way, then told you no, 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 that would make him a cruel and unjust God. It's not due to God creating you that you are that way. It's because of sin. That entered into the world in Genesis 3. When he created man, he created them male and female. However, he gave us a free will. And that leaves room for sin. Sin left unchecked causes us to abandon God's will in our relationships with men and women. You see, people are born with inclinations. But it doesn't make it right. Gamblers have an inclination to gamble and blow all their money. Alcoholics have an an inclination or proclivity towards or propensity towards to drink alcohol. But it doesn't make it right. Gossipers have a, a, a proclivity or inclination to gossip. But just because that's how you are prone to think, it doesn't make it right. Slander is the same. Even obesity. Maybe you have a proclivity to overeat. And maybe you have a proclivity or inclination to eat too much. And it's real easy for us to look at someone like that and and not have the same hard stance that we have on someone else who has a proclivity or acts out their proclivity. Let me just say this. Back to judging. Do not judge. For gluttons, I would say... Before you point out the plank in someone else's eye, remove the Swiss cake roll log in your own eye. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Let me just say this. I'll say it again, and you must hear this. Same-sex attraction is not sin. It's what you do with that temptation that makes it sin or not. There was a speaker even at youth conference this week. He's a professor at Moody Bible Institute. He is same-sex attracted. And he has chosen to be celibate. Because he knows if he acts on that attraction, then he's going against what God had in store for him not to do. And so he lives as a single man... He is a faithful Bible teacher at Moody Bible Institute. He spoke to 2,300 teens and he said this God has called us to be holy before he has called us to be heterosexual. So just because you have that attraction, now hear me out. How many of you shut people out because they have attraction towards the same sex? Listen, that is judging someone. Sexual intimacy. Is not a right. It's a gift designed for marriage between male and female. It's a beautiful gift. Hear me out, hear me out, guys. Hear me out, gals. The temptation is real when you get in close proximity in a relationship. But hear me out. It is worth waiting until you're married to consummate this gift called sex between you and your husband or you and your wife. That's God's design for marriage. Can I get one amen for that? Just because you have a proclivity towards a sexual agenda, it doesn't give you the right to exercise it. We covered that. Let me say this. Being homosexual doesn't send you to hell any more than heterosexual sends you to heaven. Think about that for a second. What sends us to hell? A rejection of Jesus Christ and the work on the cross. And what sends us to heaven? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Believing, repenting of our sin, acknowledging that he is Lord, acknowledging that he was, died on the cross, was buried, and was resurrected. It's a personal relationship with Jesus that sends us to heaven. Not because we're heterosexual. A man cannot become a woman, nor can a woman become a man. It is impossible, please hear me, to rewire the DNA, the biological DNA. You can do everything you want to do on the outside. But listen, you're either biologically male or biologically female. And God created you that way. Gender confusion is a result of the fall of man. And it sends impact on creation. And it will only get worse until God calls us home or the rapture occurs. But hear me. We need messengers of love and grace in the marketplace. That will stand like Paul stood. Even against the emperors of the day and say, no. That's not God's intent. Let me say this. God can completely deliver you from your homosexual tendencies or you might have to go the rest of your life overcoming the temptation every single day. It's the same with any familiar temptation. You might have a, a familiar bent towards adultery. You might have a familiar bent towards towards overeating or gossip or just fill in the blank or alcohol, whatever. You might have to go. He could deliver you. Can he? Yes, he can. Will he? It's up to him. But listen, you might have to go the rest of your life fighting. Why? Because that's what followers of Christ do. Homosexuality lived out is sin against God. There's no other way around it. That's what God's word says. It breaks the heart of our God. And by the way, the Bible prohibits all kinds of sexual promiscuity. Heterosexual as well as homosexual. Let me wrap up with this final thought today. If you struggle with same-sex attraction, hear me out. I grieve with you and for you. And to those of you who have a propensity for same-sex attraction... And you've been mistreated by Christians, cursed at, ostracized, and judged, and hated. I am sorry for the way and the cause of Christ that we Christians have treated you. I apologize for that. I don't apologize for my theology, but I do for our behavior. If you have not been shown the grace of Jesus Christ and the love he gives, I am sorry But listen to me, please. You might have to go the rest of your life on earth battling these urges. But rest assured, there will come a day when you'll be free from the bondage of sin forever. And it's called heaven. And it is worth standing before our creator God one day and hearing, well done. Lord, help us today. I pray that we've learned I pray that we've been convicted or affirmed. God, give me energy to preach this again. I pray against anything Satan wants to do to divide and destroy and cause a ruckus. I just pray that as this message goes out in our lives and through social media, that the world would see that Jesus loves them. And that Jesus' way is the way That we should walk. And it's that way where we find hope and freedom and deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next week.